Hello, Twisted listeners. We have a special guest today, a repeat visitor. We have Andrea Michelle, or Educator Andrea, as you probably know her. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. Yes. Oh my gosh. So last time we talked, um, oh gosh, when was that? About a year ago? I don't know. It's been a while. Lots of things have changed for you. You got your doctorate. Congratulations. Uh, is that, so, no? so yeah. pending, pending, pending. I, a pending um, I'm doctorate still working on it. Okay. Yes. I'm not, I'm not doctor yet. Okay. Um, I am currently finishing up my dissertation. So I've already collected my data. I have already written most of my chapter four and there's five chapters in a dissertation, okay. um, but I have not finished it and I have not defended, which are like the last two pieces of um, officially getting that degree conferred, but I will be finishing that over, at least we'll be finishing my first draft over the next month. Okay. I'm very close. Yeah. yeah it's exciting. amazing. Just going back to school and you've got little ones and a career. I mean, it is, it is a lot. It is and your doctorate. Yeah. I stopped it. I, I couldn't do the No, I'm done with, with school, education school. That is. Um, and then you have another position. So you're you've been, moving. You've been teaching right. high school for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. How did this I've, been, I've been teaching. Yeah, I've been teaching high school English for nine years. Um, and my new position is at a university in Indiana. Um, and I will be a professor of teaching and learning at the university. I'm not like it's not a secret what university I'm at. I'm just not specifically saying it's saying it. I'm totally fine. Yeah. Just cause I don't, you know, it's one of those where I like, I don't know the vibe of the people outside of people who like interviewed me and I don't know they're amazing and they're all aware of my presence. Social online. media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want it to be misconstrued as because, especially cause I'm working for the, you know, education department that I am a representative of the school in any way. So until I kind of get established there and figure out the ins and outs, I'm just saying a university in Indiana. Um, But there's also safety concerns because we got some wackadoodles out there who might just, Mm -hmm. you know, so, I mean, that's just, that's where I am right now. I just have to be. In case you weren't worried about that, Kim will just go (laughs) ahead and make sure you know, you should also be worried about your safety. I'm sorry. I'm always worried, right? Like I'm always worried. Like I, yeah, I still like, don't put my actual legal last name out there or any of that mm-hmm. stuff. Like I, I cry my best, you know, people can figure stuff out if they try hard enough, but right, I do sure. try and make it a little bit harder for them. Um, but yeah, so I am going to be starting in, um, in August, mid August at this new position. And, um, I am blown away and excited about how it is just, it's literally my dream job. Like I have been that's so cool. Working, that is awesome. Yeah, I've been working super hard for, you know, the past three years to get my PhD because I knew I wanted to work at a university level. And I'm going to be working with future middle and high school teachers. Nice. And I get to be in the classroom with them. So a big portion of the way the university does stuff is like immersion into the classroom, working with the teachers there and all of that. So I'm going to be the person te- like my in fall, I'm teaching instructional strategies for middle school teachers, instructional strategies for high school teachers. And those are both online graduate level classes. And then I'm going to be teaching okay. an in-person um, instructional practices for middle school teachers class. That so I'm only is teaching awesome. One, like one class in person and we meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, um, which means that I am going from being with physically with students instructing um you know what what is about five or six hours a day um now well you know before the school year ended now um yeah to basically being physically with students about five or six hours a week mm-hmm. and then wow. like I have a three-hour zoom class on Monday nights that I'll be teaching so it's just like an insane swap of the amount of prep time to the amount of actual like instructional time I'm gonna get to do. Um, and I'm just, I'm delighted. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm very excited for you. That is, that is definitely that is. a dream job. I don't know if teachers are really fully prepared once they get out of college. I don't, I would like to know what you feel about that. And what kind of classes do you think need to be in these prep courses for, for being an educator? Cause I feel like you would be the person to create change 
in the way that you probably know that it needs to happen. So what are some classes that you think need to need to be added or changed? So, I mean, one of the exciting things about what my new role is, is they want me to come in and change what we're teaching. They want me to, cause I'm, you know, I've taught after COVID I have taught recently, um, and all of their, um, all of my colleagues that I will be working with have been at the university for like 20 to 30 years. Um, so, I mean, on the one hand, that's amazing. That shows that they, you know, love where they're at. Right. So you want to see people at a university there for that long. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, but what that also means is they haven't been actively the primary instructor in a high school or, you know, elementary school classroom, um, in 20 or 30 years. Um, so a lot has changed and I have amazing colleagues who are doing like so much, but they notice that they're like, Hey, we need to bring someone in that like has done it recently. Um, and so this has been something I've been spending a lot of time thinking about because I'm developing my courses for fall and I get to choose now what these teachers are going to be prepped with. And it's what my dream has been. And now I'm like, Oh crap. Now I have to actually deliver. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's now it's actually time to like do the thing. So step up, uh, yeah. Like a couple of things keep coming up when I did my when I'm working on my dissertation. Which um, for those of your listeners who don't know, uh, my dissertation focused on the way that first year, the way that stress impacts first year teachers' mm-hmm. relationships with their students. So one of the elements that I look at pretty heavily is what is causing that stress. And there were a couple of themes that came up. Number one for context though, for people, I worked in a district that has a very strong union, um, Mm -hmm. which meant that organizational stress was not as prominent because teachers were allowed to have quite a bit of autonomy. Um, so there were uh, some elements like that, that didn't show up that I think if they were in a different district, they might. Um, but what we did see is that, um, teachers had no idea how to work with special needs students or how to work with special needs teachers and push an instruction and oh, yeah. all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like, and I remember when I started being baffled and not having any clue what I'm supposed to say at an IEP meeting. Right. And all of those yes. different things at like clueless, right? Like, even though we are legally required to fulfill these things, like when I started, I'm like, why would I make a accommodation? Isn't that why you have like a push and instructor? Isn't that their job to make all these accommodations? And then this poor push and instructor has five courses and five different subjects that they're right. trying to support. And right. like, there was no instruction on how to do that. So that's one big part is teaching, teach, especially because I'm focusing on um, single subject credential teachers for middle and high school. Um, okay. So they need to learn le- what we are legally obligated to do, number one, for individual education right. plans and 504s um, and what they can do to collaborate in a healthy way with whatever special ed teacher they're working with. Right. Um, Cause I remember that caused me a lot of stress because my first year teaching, she was amazing. She was so rock solid and knew what she was doing, but very serious. And I didn't know what to do with that. And so what ended up happening in the classroom is the kids tried to pit us against each other. And I was oh, like yeah. the fun one. And mm-hmm. she was like the mean one. And I'm like, I could go back and be more supportive of her. I wish I could, you know, like yes. I, just, I kick myself now, like being, you know, a decade down the road. Um, so that's one big thing. Uh, another big thing is we spend so much time talking about theory and it, it's, it's foundational and it's great, but we need so much more than theory when we're talking about that. We don't need a 15 page lesson plan. The, no. The problem I'm coming across, because I think every program made us do that, right? Where you had to do this like yeah. huge lesson plan. Well, and they also keep asking you your philosophy of education. And- yes. You know, we've we've got all of these different theories and all of that kind of stuff. And then we plop these students in very non-theoretical situations <laughs> and say, go. Um, so one of my goals is to kind of limit the depth and breadth of theoretical study. Um and spend a lot more time on practicing actual strategies. So like my very first class that I'm going to teach, I already have this plan that, you know, I'm going to have all of these teachers in class on Zoom. Oh my gosh, my first, 
it's going to be a three hour zoom class on Monday nights, which is brutal. Like the first half of the class is supposed to focus on middle school instructional strategies, second half high school instructional strategies, but the same group of students. Um, so three hours on zoom is going to be a journey. Uh, but my, is the very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, it's so nice to meet you. Here's like the course stuff. Um, I'm going to give you guys 15 minutes to each of you create a, um, an icebreaker, get to know you activity that can work over zoom, turn off your cameras and go. And then I'm going to have them go create a bunch of them, put links in there. And I'm going to tell them, Hey, if somebody else has the same one as you, you got to be working on, on your toes and figure out a new one. Um, and, and kind of put them and do those kind of like fire drill type things where they have to come up with an instructional strategy that's going to work in 15 minutes. That is fabulous. Um, That is absolutely such a great idea. Well, more like real life, like, Oh, you were going to do this awesome activity with the computer. Your computer doesn't work right now. Sorry. What are you going to do with 35 kids right now with no computer? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you can't find that thing that you made copies of. Sorry. You're going to have to figure something out and class starts in 15 minutes go. So that is one of my main goals is to kind of take whatever, because there's like a lot of reading that they have to do in between times um, and look at the strategies and stuff they're asking them to evaluate. And then when they come into class, we're going to have time to like on your toes, like create it and all of that. Um, So I think that that's a a muscle that we develop. And that's one of the things we get really good at is just kind of faking it till we make it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that that that's something else um, that we can develop. One of the things is completely out of the control of first year teachers, and it's that they need a community and they need support, um, a team. And that's something organizationally that kind of needs to be provided or allowed for, um, because that's the main thing I'm seeing with my dissertation results is that teachers who have like a crew, like a really great group of people they work with, they stay. Um, They end up coming back year after year. And they're really, their job satisfaction is so much higher. And the teachers that felt unsupported, felt they unheard, leave. Uh, they're gone. Well, I had they're Jen, gone. you know, she was my person like so many years ago. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. I really, I went from personal training to a second grade classroom during the holiday party. And it was just a lot of glitter. <laughs> What's the hell right. happening here? What am I doing? <laughs> and the first year teachers definitely are a different group and we separate them from second and third year and we do different things. And then I'll, every month I'll just connect with them or go by their classrooms. And, and the main thing is they, they're like, I just don't know what I don't know. And I said, that's a beautiful thing in some, sometimes, but it's okay not to know all the things. And what I noticed too, is that a lot of times the teacher is like, it's so hard because it has to be pretty organic, right? Like, so if you have a great team, then, you know, people mesh and everything goes really well. If the admin is just saying you have to have this time together for PLC or for whatever, and they're forced together, it doesn't always work. So it does have to be very teacher-led, which -hmm. is difficult from an organizational standpoint, right? Because then the teachers are like, don't tell me who I have to be friends with. And we're like, like, no, be friends. Like, it's it's really hard. But um, one of the things I noticed those first-year teachers really need is somebody to fight some battles for them. Um, because that I think as a first year teacher is something they feel wholly unequipped for is like, who do I go to when I can't figure out X, Y, Z? How do I respond to this parent email? That was another thing I heard from a lot of people is like parent communication. And oh yeah. Like I, that, I dealt what, with that all year, all year. Yeah. Like knowing how to respond to these emails and what to say, what not to say, what can you say? All of those things. I think they need that kind of support where you can sit with somebody that isn't going to make you feel like a bad teacher because you're not sure how to respond to a parent complaint or something like that. Like mm-hmm. those are the things that I'm I'm seeing over and over again, where they just so badly need the support of their colleagues who have, ha- who've been through it, right. Who have had a parent yell at them before or um, have had a bad observation or something. Like oh that. yeah. And I had, I, I tell the teachers, I'm like, before you send the nasty gram, please show it to somebody. And I've had, they do, they'll come by my office and they're like, I said, I know that felt really good to, to type that out, but we need to kind of wordsmith it a little bit. And it's, it's just as an instructional coach, because, you know, I think we talked about that last time. That's a, that's a, you know, a shot in the dark if you've got a good coach, because, yeah, you know, that coach can also be the mole 
or the person who's <laughs> looking for somebody to do something wrong. I, yeah. And so, yeah. That, or it's somebody who is, who is trying to climb the ladder into administration. And so they're trying to get in good with the admin. Mm-hmm. And so it's less of an advocacy role for the teachers and more of like an advocacy role for themselves to try and get into that, like mm-hmm. higher position and all of that kind of stuff. You know, it, I feel like instructional coach can be so insanely valuable. Like I've actually, I, I don't want to say this in case I'm wrong. I don't think I've ever been at a school that's had an active instructional coach that mm-hmm. like came by and asked to help as far yeah. as I know, like if they did, I did not see them and they weren't. That's the problem. Enough. Right. Like, and, and that's really hard too, because you have how many teachers at a school um, and like the, you know, it's the perpetual problem in, in education of like, you have this really cool job that you could do with fidelity. If you had half the amount of people to do it with, you know, like if you weren't in charge yeah. of working with a bajillion different teachers, um, you could, you know, probably provide the support that, you know, you could, you, you know, at your best ability and they would actually be able to receive it and all of that. But it's yeah. hard when that's when well, I, that I tell, I, I'm like, I'm, I will say this. I've said it a million times on all the platforms and instructional coaches, not administrator. And if that's where you want to go, then instructional coaching is not where you need to be. It, it's not. Yeah. And people, they hate when I say that. I'm like, there's other things you can do, not coaching because yeah. I'm going to go help you in your classroom. But then in six months, I'm going to be evaluating you. And that is just a contradiction of, of intention. Right. So, yeah, I'm very, right. I get really and- passionate about that. <laughs> You know what, you know what really sucks though, too, is it, it shouldn't be a contradiction of intention. Like, shouldn't admin be the biggest advocates for their teachers? Shouldn't they be they doing should, those indeed. same tasks? Like they and mm-hmm. I recently I can't remember where I saw this statistic. And I'm afraid I'm gonna be one of those people that's like I saw it on TikTok somewhere. Um, <laughs> but it talked about how like the amount of teachers per like per student ratio has gone down, but the amount of admin per um student ratio has like gone up by like 80% or something insane like that. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of administrators has increased, but the amount of teachers hasn't, um, which is a really interesting scenario. It makes you wonder like priorities. Which, yeah. Priorities and policies, right? Like why, why did we feel we needed more administrators and not smaller class sizes? Like, mm-hmm. like we, we need like, especially because in the past, I feel like 15 20 years, people have started focusing more on relationships and anyone. Now there's more. Yeah. Right. Like anyone would tell you, like, of course, teachers are going to be able to have a relationship with their students with fewer students in the room. Um, So yeah, I do, I do wonder about that because at my, the last school I left at um, or the, the school I just finished teaching at the class sizes had an average of 38 kids. Oh, my wow. largest class in um, when I was there was 42 kids. It was a freshman English oh, class. And, and it's freshman. Oh, freshman. Six period freshman last year. That is a level mm-hmm. of Dante's Inferno that you cannot even get out of. That is. It, it was insane. Like it, it was insane for them. It was insane for me. It was also right after we all came back from COVID. So they were like some unbridled freshmen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was brutal. And they know it was brutal. They come back sometimes and visit me and they're like, remember, remember, yeah. miss, do you remember how terrible we were? Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, I, I, I will they... never forget how terrible you I were. I cried a lot. I remember. <laughs> you know, you mentioned people. working with other teachers, like working with, um, special ed teachers that push in, or I know that when I first started teaching, I was literally 21 years old and I, I was teaching special ed out of field. Like that was the only jobs there were, there were back then there were too many teachers. <laughs> That's kind of funny now. <laughs> Imagine. And, but, um, so I got hired out of field to teach special education and I had like paraprofessionals that like worked quote unquote for me. Like I was supposed, but I was 21 and they were like 42 and I had no idea how to navigate that relationship. And they'd been doing that job for years. And so I love that you're doing that or even going in as a 21 year old teacher into other teachers' classrooms. Mm -hmm. Like I really just was like, tell me what to do. (laughs) I didn't know how to advocate for myself. Yeah, we do. I love that. A co-teaching training where we work with like um, 
it's just a, it's a system. It's three. There's three segments to it. And so I went in and kind of sat in in all the co-teaching classes and I gave a survey and the survey was to the teachers, to the students and to the co-teacher or special ed teacher. And it was their perceptions of each other. And then I put the graphs out because it was interesting because I, one of the questions was, do you feel like you have a voice in the classroom for the push in? And then the, the do you do you give your um, co-teacher a voice in the classroom? And it was not the same. Like the graphs were so skewed. And when I showed it to everybody, I was like, so this is where we need to work on because the kids see this. If, if I think I am giving you a voice and you feel like you're you, you can't speak or you can't talk, that's a problem. But it was like yeah. that. Like every question was like that. And then the kids' perceptions were either they get along or they don't like each other. Like they would they know they know what's happening with those teachers. So that's yeah. I think it's brilliant that you're doing that because. Yeah. In the and IET it's, it's meetings, such. Yeah, it's so difficult too, because I remember as a first year teacher, I wasn't even told anything other than, hey, you're going to have um, 14 IEPs in your classroom. Um, and that's all I was told. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make all of these accommodations. How am I going to do this? All of that. And then they're like, well, you're going to have a co-teacher that's going to be in there. Because I was doing like, they called it college capstone. It was all the kids who had failed the previous year's mm -hmm. state testing because it was in Virginia. Um and so I had all these kids that were performing below grade level. Um, and I had to like try and bring them up to grade level. And it was myself and this co-teacher. Um, we like, I don't think I had the official co-teacher assigned to me until the day before school. I wasn't able, there wasn't any planning time with the co-teacher. Mm -hmm. So as far as I was concerned, I was planning everything myself. And then I would sometimes delegate to her a task, but she wasn't mm -hmm. taking responsibility from for the grading. She wasn't mm -hmm. taking responsibility for that. So I'm like, why? Like, what am I going to give you that's going to be help, I guess, like accommodate for, you know, uh, this kid? Yeah. You know, can you just, read this? <laughs> it, it was so like not a healthy standpoint for me to come from because instead of seeing her like, oh my gosh, this resource, this woman who's been teaching for 18 years with kids who have all of these different abilities, like prioritize working with her and getting her advice instead of being like, you know, I'll throw you a bone here and there. I just, I kick myself because what what a wealth of knowledge was lost on me that's the that thing it's so that's common you, well it is common i mean i think i think there is definitely a stigma because i think special education because my first you know a couple of years in high school was a special education teacher with resource and yeah. um i had never been on that side before and i was a co-teacher in a classroom with a brilliant wonderful teacher but because I didn't have a degree, I, I think they, I, I had heard people say, if you don't have a degree in English, we, they don't believe that we are this, you know, on the same level, even, even though I have my, you know, I took the test and I did fine, whatever. Um, but it, it is a, it's a, it's an unspoken situation because special ed feel, don't feel like they're being supported. And then you've got the teacher on record who doesn't want to put the trust in the co-teacher. And so right. it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to ask, um, because obviously I taught elementary school, but does the co-teacher sometimes go into classrooms in subject areas that they're not an expert in the subject area, but they are an expert on teaching strategies and how to best reach these kids? Yeah. That's, yeah. That was my and that, question. And, and that's like a real... That's a real unfairness that they also do to special education teachers, because if someone put me into a math classroom, I would be no, I would be no good whatsoever. Like I could teach you different activities to do, but I'm not teaching math. There's no way. And a large part of what these special education teachers are expected to do is remediate for students who are struggling. How, if that's not a subject that you understand or, you know, particularly like, like I could never do that in a math classroom. And right. so I think there's also a balance there of like, sometimes because, you know, these special ed teachers have a huge amount of classes they have to be in there for, not to mention their other responsibilities that are tapped onto that, where they're doing IEP meetings and mm -hmm. caseloads and all of that. They also then have to know the content for a bunch of different right. subjects that like they haven't done since they were in middle school, yeah. high school. Like I, I cannot imagine. And I just feel like it, 
it, ideally, right, that you would figure out the preference of the special ed teacher. And if your preferences are to like help out with the math classes, then you're given a load of math classes and English, English classes. But of course, you know, that never happens. So well, I think we have a, sh- well, the shortage. And I know that when I did those surveys, that was one of the biggest complaints on both ends. Yeah. Um, and that's when I would go in and teach instructional strategies that were not content based. So I could help yeah. the teacher kind of go in and say, you know, there, there's ways to go about it. But, you know, if I'm teaching algebra and I'm an English person, you're right. Like I can only go so far. Now I knew one of our teachers, th- they would have like a science, like a chemistry, a biology, then an English. I mean, it was all over the place and she's yeah. bringing textbooks home because she's like, oh, yeah. I got to do this tomorrow. I'm like, I don't even know how you're doing. Like you're, you're phenomenal because she had a biology book one day and, and you know, it, it was just a lot. It's a lot. And it's a lot to yeah. expect. They feel yeah. unprepared. And so I, yeah. I think that's just another thing to think about too, is what classes are you giving these new teachers and how many preps do they have? And do they yeah. feel confident in teaching? You know, it, I think it's great to give somebody the same thing over and over again, maybe one different class, but that they're barely understanding how to prep for one. Right. Right. And that, that was another element that I saw with my uh, case study was the teachers who were given random classes were the ones that were the most stressed because they're like, why am I teaching that? There was um, this teacher who she's actually a bio teacher um, and she was given an ASLC class, academic, oh gosh, what is it? ALC, it's academic writing and um, writing and language, AWL. I think something like that. Okay. Um, ALW, ALW. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't remember the acronym. Um, academic Elevers. language and writing class, and it's a class that is essentially created just for um, teaching students who English is not their first language. It's like a remediation level class and all of that. And she had um, a dual language certification oh. where she speaks Spanish, mm-hmm. but again, that's not the only other language that kids are coming to the classroom <laughs> with, right? Um, and essentially she would have to teach this class and it's like, this, like she went to school to teach biology and you're just going to toss that one to her and like, didn't tell her about it. Literally just said, you have these, here's your, here's your load. You teach these, these three classes. And one of them was that. And she's like, what does that mean? Yeah. That would cause me stress for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And my most stressful year teaching ever was at a very small private school I had five preps. Oh my I gosh. Taught Do you remember? English well, nine. Okay. I was going to ask. English nine, uh, English 10, English 11, English 11 honors and AP language. Oh, so I taught wow. every single 11th grader at the school. And then I also taught ninth and 10th. I had to teach 15 different novels over the course of the school year. Holy crap. I had not read any of those novels since high school. When I got the job, I had to read them all. Like I was, I, oh, and this was my fourth year teaching. Um, It wasn't like I was a first year teacher, but the stress of that. And there wasn't really any resources that came from a team because we were the only ones who taught this. So there was a couple of things in a Google drive, but other than that, I was just like flying by the seat of my pants. Like, I guess this is what we're going to teach today. And it was it was completely unsustainable, and I was there um, for a few years. And then the second I got an offer at a public school, I took it, where I taught two preps and had a massive team for both, where we all have a shared Google Calendar yep. and share mm-hmm. resources. Like it, it literally cut my prep time down by like it's like two thirds less work than what I was doing. Oh, it yeah. was insane. For now more, like I made more money at the public school and worked two thirds less, you know, like it was crazy. So how are you doing with the transition? Because I know that, um, I think you did some videos about, I'm still going to be doing my thing. And, you know, because I think people are like, she's quitting, she's not here, but how, how is that going for you? Like just the lead and how did it, was it to leave the school and, and all that good stuff? Yeah. So, um, leaving the school was, you know, it's so strange because I thought I was going to cry a lot more than I did. I actually felt pretty good all the way through the end. I thought I was going to be really weepy. Um, and I got a little weepy when I said bye to my admin, um, because she's amazing and I have so much respect for her. Um, I got a little bit weepy when I had a couple of kids, um, crying when they were saying bye to me. Um, 
but you know, honestly, I, I feel like this is just, it's, it was time. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. It helps that the new job is like literally my dream job. Yes. Um, and that it's moving us to Indiana, which most people are like, really? Like that's, Indiana that's... is where my husband is from. Oh, okay, um, okay. And so I never had any intention of living amongst the corn, but, <laughs> um, I am one of those people that I can be happy wherever, you know, like I'm, I can be happy wherever my husband's family lives about two hours South of where we're going. Um, our goal was always to make it to the Midwest and to make it, um, ideally for my husband to Indiana because he loves it there. Um, and he really wanted to move back home. And so I'm like, all right, like I'll try and get a university job there. And then I was going to, I was going to ask how, how did that happen? But so this is making a lot, a lot of sense. Yeah, girl, I applied to probably three jobs at least a month and university job applications are insane. Like they ask for oh, so I much job. Oh, and I applied to probably three jobs a month for over a year. I was looking for community college jobs, university jobs, private, public, everything. And I w- I applied everywhere too, because my husband's in grad school. So he's okay. got one year left. Um, and so I, I literally applied everywhere, just all, all across the country. Um, and I got called by one university. Wow. And that was the university that happens to be in Indiana and wow. happens to be two hours north of my husband's family. Um, and I, I flew out there. They flew me out for a 36 hour interview. Like they picked me up from the airport in Indianapolis, drove me over. I went to dinner with a bunch of faculty. I had an all day interview process where I had to do a research presentation about my research interests. And at that point I hadn't even collected data. I had to do a one hour (laughs) research presentation about my research interests and I hadn't collected my data. (laughs) Like I was like, oh, what am I going to talk about it? I, it was fine. I faked it. Um, and then I, I didn't present stuff. I didn't actually find yet. Just to be clear on that. I faked it as in like acted like I, I knew what I was presenting talking about for an hour. Is oh a lot, we don't do that as teachers. People think we do. We don't, we don't sit there and just right. talk for an hour. Never. Um, so I had that, I had to do a lesson demonstration with a bunch of like current students of the university. I was toured around, like saw the whole campus, met with the dean, met with the chair, oh met, had lunch with everybody. And then they drove me back to Indianapolis that night. It was the most intense interview process ever. Um, and then I had to wait like five weeks to finally get the offer. And Oh and my gosh. That. Yeah. Cause they had two other people that were interviewing after me. So they had to fly them out and did the whole thing again with all these other people. And, I'm, and I was like, why, why are you bothering? You know, you are. <laughs> Yeah, well, or exactly. like, why couldn't I be last? So oh, that well, I had I the to get it wait. Like, well, I didn't know how many other applicants there were, so I wanted to get it done as soon as possible because I'm like, if I'm a, if I'm moving two thousand miles, like, let's get this thing rolling. Yeah. Um, and then it just happened that they had to fly a couple other people out, and they didn't fly out for like two or three weeks after me, and then paperwork and all of that. So, yeah, it was it was a very long process, and the waiting was killing me because I'm I like, bet. oh sure. Okay, so I did not. Your kids, how old are your kids again? Three and five. And they knew that I had flown out for an interview. They knew that, like, grandma and grandpa live out, like, the other right now we live with my parents. And so we're going to be moving out of my parents' house into Indiana. Um, But we've bribed them, 100% bribed them. And we don't have a dog right now. And so we're like, when we move to Indiana, we can have a dog. And so that's all they associate with Indiana. Like, Great. We're going to go to move to Indiana. We're going to get a dog. That's hilarious. Okay. So I, like we lived in, we were living in like the Atlanta suburbs and we moved to Nebraska and my kids were eight and four. And my four-year-old was hilarious. Like when we got there, he kept, he kept saying like, we moved in the winter, like Christmas break winter. And it was so so cold. So when we got there, the first thing we had to do was go shopping. And he kept saying he was so tired. We were shopping and he was only interested in shopping for winter clothes when we were shopping for his winter clothes, not his sister's winter clothes. And he kept saying, I want, I want to go back. And he said it back. I want to go back to Nebraska, Omaha. I want to go back to Nebraska, Omaha. We're like, buddy, this is, this is Omaha. You're here. And we finally realized he thought the apartment that we were like the corporate housing we were living in. He thought that was 
Nebraska Omaha and he wanted to go back to Nebraska. It was the cutest thing, but I will say that the Midwest is hands down the best place to raise kids. Like legitimately. I'm so glad we spent eight years there when they were like the ages that they were, you're going to love it. So yeah, we're, we're really excited. Like I, the amount of people who have reached out to me that are from Indiana, when I announced like, Oh, that's where we're moving. The people that have reached out and just been so kind and have been like, welcome. You know, if you need anything, I don't know where you're moving, but if you need anything, here's my cell phone number. Like people just giving me phone numbers. There there are some very lovely people out there. Most definitely. Yeah, so how, so they are aware of your, your social media presence, right? Yes. yes. Um, did they talk about that at all? No. Okay. So this was something, so I created my social media presence with the intention eventually of using it as a way to get a book published, right? Like that was my thought when I started it. It was like, okay, like I'm, I know I'm not going to have my PhD until probably like fall 2023, probably won't be able to get a teaching job until the following fall at a university. So maybe that, you know, that fall I'll start writing my book. And if I've got a social media presence, well then, you know, I'm more likely to get published because there's a, a ready-made audience there. Right. Right. Uh, and so I, you know, I did all of that and then I got to the university and I'm like, what, I don't, do I say, do I like, number one, it's academia. Do they give a crap that I have? You know, like I was trying to balance, like, like some people would be like, that's really cool. And other people would be like, that's a liability or that who cares if you're an influencer, you know, like I didn't want to undercut myself by being like, Hey, I have a social media platform. Here it is. Yeah. Terrified of that. So when I was physically there, I did not mention it. Uh, One of the students in my practice (laughs) lesson recognized me. uh, (laughs) And at the end she was like, have a TikTok, and I was like, "Yes, I do." And she's like, "I follow you." And I was like, "Thank you." And then <laughs> when I announced I took the job, the other students that were in that practice demo said, "I was there. I saw you interview." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Oh, you guys were awesome. Thank you." Like, um, so officially didn't say anything there. When we were negotiating, I slid it in there and was like, "Hey, don't know if this." works in any way in my favor, but I do have an online platform that potentially could bring some positive, you know, light to the university, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think it helped me at all financially. Not with that that age group because yeah. Um, how do you see your content changing now? Like I was, uh, I, I watch you all the time and I was like, I wonder how, how you're going to kind of, you know, make that, I know you're going to do great, but how, what do you see your content looking like? I wonder too. I wonder okay. the same thing, you know, like <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I, cause you know, it's a balance. I don't want to misrepresent where I'm at. Um, I don't want people to feel, because I do know there are creators who are no longer in the classroom and present themselves as if they are. Um, and I think there's a difference between doing satire and being like, like, like my, my comparison videos of like, elementary, middle school, high school, college. Like I could for sure do that. Right. Like where now I'm adding a different perspective because I'm a college university professor. Um, but I, I don't know. I I could see myself doing a lot of videos about like having conversations with my university students or having conversations with, you know, whatever. Um, I I'm sure it will change. Um, I, I don't want to lose the audience that I worked so hard to gain and I don't want them to lose a voice that they felt um, helped them and that they felt, um, really made them feel heard. Uh, I remember last time I was here, I think you guys asked me if my school had any issue with my content. Yes. I believe that was asked. I have an update for you. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It was, it, it was strongly suggested to me, um, that I joined the union at, at a certain point in the year. Um, and it wasn't that there was a complaint it wasn't anything like that. From what I gather, um, the uh, district is thinking lawsuits, right? Like that's all they care about. Like that's not all they care about, but that's, that's what it's takes pretty much all they care about, but yeah. eh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, they're thinking like, please don't sue us. Um, right. and so really what I ended up doing, because I, I was told under no uncertain terms, like, I know you're trying to cut costs, but you should really join that union, you know, like, cause they yeah. can't help you if you're not a part of it. And I'm like, okay, fine. So, uh, you know, I joined the union and all that, which I had no problem with doing. I just, you know, it's, it, it's expensive sometimes. And when you're yeah limiting, 
when you're paying for grad school, you're like, let's cut costs where we can. So um, I joined the union um, and I started putting a disclaimer on my content, um, you know, a few months ago that basically explained that my content is an amalgamation of my many experiences with students um, and that student identity is being protected. Yeah. And it's interesting because we interviewed um, Kristen from Teaching Be teaching be like she was we were talking about are you do they bring it up at school because it is it is literally the elephant in the room when I'm in a group of, because I'll see people like Kim I love your TikTok I had one person say um I looked at all your videos and I was trying to see if you were talking about us like at that school at where we work and I was like yeah. I don't not gonna do that and now I'm putting in there this is either people something they've shared with me something I've experienced or something that has happened over the years. This is not happening to me right now. I was highly encouraged to make sure that okay. I made it clear that I was not um, outing students' behaviors in a mocking way that would get them embarrassed or anything like that. Um, now, like, to be clear, yeah, my, co- my of course, my content is inspired by what I'm seeing in the classroom. But a lot of times, what I will do or try to do is make sure that I am changing the gender of the student I'm talking to. Um, I will yeah. change the specific scenario. You know, I'll, ju- I'll, I'll use it as the inspiration and then I will like mash it up to where like yeah. the student will watch it themselves and they won't know that they were the inspiration kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed recently, and I don't know if you guys have seen this as well, that there has been a bit of a turn on TikTok and on Instagram Um, where there's a few creators that are like, even if you're saying nice things about students, you shouldn't, because it's like, like it's, it's, it's somehow negative and predatory to do that. Um, and I haven't engaged with, and I, like a lot of these are like mutuals, you know, like they're people who I respect and who I follow and who follow me back. Um, and I've, I've seen some of those and it made me like be more intentional, I will say. Mm -hmm about when I'm making content, um, because I, I never want to do harm, right. With my content. Um, and I always want to make sure that I'm, you know, providing levity without causing that harm. It is, it's um, a fine line. I mean, I mean, I'm a much smaller account than you, but I know that I've come across a few things where I did a video about what teachers should not be doing on, on, on social media, as far as TikTok and things like that. And I was like, um, you know, blur out your classroom. I know there's some people who have their badges on and people will zoom in on those and then complain to the district. I've heard, I've had yeah. people send me these stories and um, don't ever give specific details about your kids. Um, you know, I, I put in a lot of things and I got some people saying, thank you so much. And because people are getting in trouble and not only that, yeah. I think people are looking for us to, they're, they're, they're dissecting yeah. what we're putting out yeah. so that they can, report us. It's nerve wracking because I'm thinking, okay, are they calling me in for this? Or I'll be in an admin meeting and they're like, Kim, I need you to stay. I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, but it's finally, not. Here we go. It's yeah. Well, I, haven't, right? I, I don't think I've done anything to cause, you know, I guess concern, but I'm right, always worried yeah, right. about that one person. Maybe that yeah, should be you know, one and, of your classes. And and the reality is, is like, I, I have never received a single complaint from a student, I have never received a single complaint from a parent. Um, not like not even one. And so, you know, when I, I try and use an immense amount of caution and love, and my students know that I love them and all of that. But you know, I the only complaints I've ever gotten have been from strangers on the internet who didn't get the joke. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and there have been times where I posted something and it got an immediate kind of like negative feedback, and I just took it down because I'm like, nope, nope. If it, if I if I crossed a line, I try and err on the side of caution and be like, it's not worth the laugh, yeah. it's not worth the views, like just take it down and all of that. Um, and it'll be really interesting because I'm gonna be living in a very different community, a very different culture um in Indiana than I do in California. Um, and you know, I'm mostly working with college students, but I'm gonna be in a middle and high school classroom. That's so good so, though. That'll be awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to be really careful and really intentional about how I, you know, how I create content in the future, especially because like I'm, I'm a guest in these classrooms and I would never want the families of these students to feel like I'm, I'm going in and going to exploit their children or mock their children. Cause there's not the relationship there 
that I had right. when I was the primary teacher. You know, it's different talking about a student's behavior when you have that relationship, when I've already sent videos home to the parents saying like, hey, love your kids, blah, blah, blah. As opposed to like, there's some random university prof- professor with a TikTok making fun of your kid. That's a different vibe, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I'm looking forward to the change, but at the same time, like my my primary goal was never to be an influencer, you know, like that was never why I started the TikTok. It was always to, you know, support educators, support students, all of that. And, and I think that's the thing that will stay the same. And then the content is going to have to like evolve with, with my career. Oh, absolutely. It it, like, it can become advice for teachers. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like I think that's, that's going to be a lot of what it is. You know, I posted something today talking about what my findings were about research. I, I don't think I'm going to lose the comedy bit because like, I'm always going to have comedy be part of it just because that's kind of my vibe. And what I try and do is to bring levity and, um, I'm doing a couple of speaking things, which is really exciting. That's uh, exciting. Yeah. To, uh, Wednesday, I'm going to be talking to the UC Irvine writing project, which is a bunch of history and English teachers gathering over summer doing PD and learning different writing strategies. So I'm going to be talking to them. Um, and then in October, at the end of October, I'm going to be working. I'm going to be the keynote speaker for the Indiana Teacher, Indiana State Teachers Association. There we go. That um, is wonderful. Thank- Congratulations. That is, that thank is you. phenomenal. That is awesome. Thank you. Got it's it. my first, um, Wednesday is my first in-person speaking gig. Every other one has been Zoom because of course COVID and all of that. Um, so Wednesday is my first in-person one. And then in October is my first keynote. So I am that is super so exciting. excited. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be really fun. That will, yeah. Yeah. And you, then you can do a lot of uh, some videos after you've done this a while on, on um, speaking to teachers, <laughs> teaching yeah. teachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you've done one or you've, I've seen a couple and it's just like, I've done a few. I'm terrified. Teachers are the worst students. We are the worst. We are. We're just like, what are you going to tell me? Nothing. You're not going <laughs> to tell me anything. The only saving grace with doing something like that is these teachers have paid to be there, you know, at both of these, inst- like they came yes. because they wanted to be there and wanted to learn. I'm not coming to their school when they want to be in their classrooms prepping. True. Very so, good. Very true. That's what I'm Very terrified true. of is that moment of like, oh my gosh, please don't. Like I, I would do professional development, um, but that is something that scares me a lot. I know that there's a couple of really phenomenal creators and um, like uh, Devin Siebold, he does that. And what he does for his is he does it like a comedy bit slash talking about the way that humor helps educators yeah. like, survive the profession, essentially, which I think is amazing. Um, and he loves doing that. I don't, I don't think I'm at that level yet where I would be like, yeah, I can definitely come in and because even, and he is, you know, he's a stand up comics. So he knows what it's like to like, not get the laugh. Um, all right. of my content is online. So I don't see the people that scrolled past me and didn't think I was funny. <laughs> that's I a good point. I, I, that's like, a good point. Like <laughs> I, that is a really weird part about doing what I do is that, you know, I could have hundreds of thousands of views. I have never actually had anyone I've never I don't hear people laugh at the joke you know like there's no immediate feedback and there's no negative feedback when the video doesn't do well it just doesn't get any like there's no views which is fine I can deal with no views but starting Wednesday I'm going to tell a joke or a story and if it doesn't land I'm going to be staring (laughs) at blank spaces and I'm going to be like that was painful oh boy I've Um, done that and it's flopped and I'm like I remember I was doing that because when I do PD and I do a lot of it and it's cringy because I know yeah. what it's like. So my, I always make sure they have a resource when they can leave and I always end early. And mm-hmm. if I do a joke, I said, you know, that was funny, but you'll laugh about that later. Or come on, give me something. Like, I'm always like, come on guys, you know, this is hard to be up here. So um, <laughs> I always try we, to make jokes. Yeah, we and stuff. teachers all the time. Like as a teacher, like I tell a joke and the students just stare at me and I'm like, until I move on, you know, so maybe I, yeah. maybe I'll be fine. You're, you're, you're um, going to be, you're going to be great. Fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it, we, we really appreciate you giving us your time and you're so busy and, um, I've shared you out on, on my monthly newsletters quite a bit. Um, especially oh, at the beginning you. of the year, I used your video, um, talking to parents about the cell phones. I think it was mid semester. It was like, like after 
winter, I think you were like, I got to do something now because of the phones. And that's my biggest issue. I think most of ours. So I I said, Hey, you know, here's educator Andrea. You might want to put a video out. Here's hers. Don't send hers. (laughs) Just send yours. (laughs) yours. Because I know teachers just send yours. I was like, no, it's not true. Yeah. Send your own because we need to, you know, the phone policy. So you, you do help and I've used you for PD. And so um, I just hope, you know, all the good things in the future for you. Thank you. Um, Thank you guys so much. It's so fun coming on your podcast and chatting with you and, you know, hearing perspectives because, you know, I've never been an instructional coach or any of that. So all of those instructional strategies you're, you're giving to your teachers, please send them my way because I'm going to have to, I'm going to be now teaching future teachers. So I'm going to need like a huge Rolodex of all of those kinds of things. A lot of it is is just listening and having your door open. So now it's just, you know, when people come in, a lot of teachers will come in and say, I don't, I don't want to complain. I said, yes, you do close the door, complain. And then let's, you know, so I think it's, I think they're scared to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. Well, please keep us posted and um, just, you know, we'll, we're just really happy. I'm so happy that to see someone, you know, realize a dream and that is a dream job. That's phenomenal. And um, you do a lot of good and I, we just really appreciate you. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. Are you you hauling it like across the United States? Yeah. So, so kind of, so my, my, me and my kids are driving. My mom's coming with me. Um, my husband, because of his, his program, he is going to be, he's in grad school. So he has to be in the hospital working um, on Friday. And then he has to drive over the weekend and be there on Monday for his new placement. So I'm not <laughs> making our kids do that death march. So my mom is going to come with me. We're going to okay. take like four days to do the drive with my yeah. two kids. And then he's going to make like the weekend turn around and oh. drive like a maniac to get there. So, so what is your, um, what does he do? What's he studying? He is currently in grad school to become a physician's assistant. Oh, nice. Awesome. Um, it, it's going to be crazy after next year when neither of us are in grad school. Like, what are we going to do with all the, all the time? We also <laughs> figured out this next Christmas, <laughs> he has a month off from school and I get a month off as a university professor. And I was like, we're going to have so many, so much time for activities. <laughs> like he looked terrified. I was like, think of all the things we're going to do to the house. And he's like, oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Oh, well, good luck. Good luck and keep Thank us posted. You. Take care. Right. Thank, Thank you. Guys. Thank Bye. You. Have a good one. I all love right. her. I love she's her awesome. too. Yeah. She's just so down to earth and um, I'm very happy for her. I think she's going to affect not, a lot uh, of yeah. change. She's wonderful. For sure. A great I interview. Can see her onward and upward. All right, everyone, stay Stay twisted. twisted. Bye. Bye.